Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It's just gone 10 past 2 on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. And it is great to be with you talking about things Jewish on Judaism 101.9. Wonderful opportunity to shed some light or to think about the days that are coming up ahead. And let's perhaps begin with today. Today is the 4th of Sivan. Now, what is significant about the 4th of Sivan? Well, we know that from Rosh Chodesh Sivan, which was on Sunday, the Jewish people had reached Mount Sinai, standing around the mountain, ready, standing there, I guess, with trepidation, preparing each day and each day getting closer to Matan Toratenu, to the time of the giving of our Torah. But Rashi tells us something quite amazing, that on the fourth day of Sivan, in the year 2448, which was the year, of course, when uh, the Torah was given to us, uh, which works out to be 1313 before the Common Era, and this was then two days before the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses actually wrote down the first 68 chapters of the Torah. The first 68 chapters he actually wrote before we received the Torah at Mount Sinai. Now, that would take us then from uh, the beginning, so from Breshit Barai Lokim, from in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, 68 chapters right up until the story of the giving of the Torah, which is in the book of Shemot in Exodus 19. So, amazingly, the first 68 chapters, the first 68 segments of the Torah from the beginning of the book of right up until the point of the giving of the Torah in the book of Shemot, in the book of Exodus, were written down, actually, by Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Rashi. They were written down on this day, on the fourth day in the month of Sivan, as a preparation for Matan Torah for the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So now, it's quite an amazing uh, story, therefore, of empowerment uh, for this day, that this day actually carries with it really the beginning of the scribing, if you wish, of Torah. The fact that the Torah itself, the five books of Moses, actually began today. And then, incidentally, or as it went along during this period of time, the Torah was actually given at Mount Sinai. Quite a remarkable and very, very fascinating and interesting story just thought you'd like to know. Well, what actually else happens today? Today we complete, actually, um, in our count of the Svirata Omer, we come to the end of it. Tonight we are going to be counting the last night of the Svira. We've been doing that from the second uh, night of Pesach, and it goes all the way through until the eve of the festival of Shavuot. Well, tonight is the eve of the festival of Shavuot. So last night we already counted 48, and tonight we are going to complete those seven weeks with the last night being counted tonight. And, of course, then the day follows the night, and so the um, day of the 49th day is going to follow tonight's count and go all the way through until we actually uh, reach the arrival of Shavuot tomorrow evening. So something very, very important here too, and that is that we are completing tonight the actual counting of the Omer. 
there is a huge debate about exactly how and when and what the count of the sphera is um, actually in its mitzvah form. What is the actual mitzvah and when has it been fully accomplished? Because the commandment is to count the seven weeks, to count the 49 days. That's the commandment. So have you done Svirata Omer if you only did the first night or if you only did one week <coughs> or if we're up to where we are now and we haven't yet completed it? Well, nobody will say that you haven't done it if you complete the 48 days and then tonight you do um, the last night and we complete that entire thing. We have then completely counted the Svirata Omer and it has so many important uh, messages and ramifications for each and every one of us, particularly as we live in a time of uh, self-improvement and self-empowerment and self-growth and introspection and all of those wonderful things. Well, this talks exactly and directly, as we have uh, spoken about many times, this talks exactly to what Svirata Omer is really all about. It's about... Looking forward to the receiving of the Torah. It's about recording that we know where we stand in history, that this was the period of time of the Jewish people preparing themselves for Mount Sinai, having come out of Egypt. We know all of that. But today, what does it mean to us? It's a period of time during which we can literally polish our sapphires, sphira, is not only to do with the idea of counting, lispor, to count, but it's also got to do with a sapphire, where we are literally bringing forward the sapphires, the preciousness, the diamonds that are within us, and we are getting them ready and getting them prepared. Every, every single facet and facet of the facets of our souls, of our neshamas, are being prepared, are being enriched, or being looked at or being improved in order to be able to stand at Mount Sinai and say we're coming with the full deal. We've got everything ready here. Everything is in its right place. The settings for these magnificent stones are all well prepared and we're presenting this wonderful array of um, of values of and of valuables that we're bringing to the party um, for Shavuot. Um, come tomorrow evening and the next day when we celebrate this beautiful, beautiful Chag. So the fourth of Sivan is significant, and at its end we have the uh, completion of the counting of the Omer. And the day is not really complete until we actually have seen out the day, until nightfall um, tomorrow evening. And so therefore in your shuls, we'll make sure that the uh, prayer service, the davening, the, the uh, Thursday evening uh, davening should take place after it is already nightfall. It's not so difficult in uh, Joburg in South Africa at all um, because it falls in the winter and uh, we don't have to delay at all, actually, because um, 6 o'clock is uh, time enough and everything, uh, the, the day is completed and so on. And so, of course, this is what we actually do in completing Svirata Omer um, over the next uh, 24 hours. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. 
We've been talking about these days before Shavuot. Now, the days before Shavuot, the three days before Shavuot, are called Shloshet Yemei Hagbala. Shloshet Yemei Hagbala, the three days literally of the surrounding, the three days of preparation they were for the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So began in earnest yesterday. Today is the middle one. Tomorrow, the last one, these three days during which the Jewish people were preparing for Zman Matan Torah for the time and the actual action of the giving of the Torah. What we've got to do is we've also perhaps got to prepare. Now, a lot of people are busy preparing, I'm sure, their uh, cheesecakes and cheese blinces and all the stuff that we know that we want to eat uh, come Shavuot, but there is a lot of Spiritual preparation that should be done, a refocus, a uh, commitment to Torah learning, a commitment to our prayers, to our davening, and so on. All of these things should also be undertaken, thinking that here God is giving us the Torah once again, and perhaps he just wants to make sure that we are actually going to be doing it. We're going to be learning it, and we're going to be keeping it. We're going to be participating in the ways that we should be doing. Now, let's talk about the advent of the Chag. So you're getting ready tomorrow for the festival of Shavuot. Just remember it comes in nice and early. So of course as with any festival there is a candle lighting that needs to take place before sunset and it's going to be quite early. So uh, let's say around about 10 past 5 already tomorrow afternoon. Beforehand we must make sure that we have prepared something called an Eruv Tavshilin. Eruv Tavshilin needs to be prepared because we may want to prepare food on Friday for Shabbat. And the only way we can do that is if we have already, so to speak, begun the process beforehand and through the mechanism of something called an Eruv Tavshilin. Whenever you hear the word Eruv, it is because there is something rabbinic that is allowing us, enabling us to do something um, that we otherwise would not be permitted to do for uh, preparation, for instance, on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Um, and therefore, this idea of Eruv is really the idea of a mixture. We are making mixtures of the uh, Yom Tov into the Shabbos, and uh, this is something that we have to do, we have to prepare. You'll see it in the back of your Siddur, in the beginning of your Machser, perhaps, the idea of making an Eruv and what you've got to do, taking prepared foods, uh, preferably one baked and one cooked that we put aside and we're going to actually eat those on Shabbos but they're already prepared before Yom Tov and then the cooking on Yom Tov, so to speak is a continuum, a continuation of that uh, when we prepare on Yom Tov. We've got to remember that if we do cook on Yom Tov we can only do so from an existing flame or from a stove or oven that was turned on before but of course if you have any questions about it you need to refer to your uh, local rabbi, Rebbitson, Kashrut advisor, and so on, make sure that you're doing it all correctly. That's preparation tomorrow. Tomorrow evening, many, many shuls around South Africa and around the world have a Shavuot dinner. Now, where did it come from that people had a Shavuot dinner? Well, I imagine that certainly in this country it came from the fact that Shavuot was very often kind of the forgotten evening. Uh, event certainly um, in the calendar um, you know first night Pesach everybody knew that you had to go to shul and uh, it was uh, Pesach Seder that followed Sukkot we were excited to eat in the sukkah 
and uh, Lulav and Etrog and so on. What do we do on Shavuot? What happened or what happens in the evening of Shavuot? It was kind of a non-starter, kind of a non-entity in a way in uh, many shuls. And the idea, therefore, came about for a Shavuot dinner. I guess it also has to do a little bit with the weather. It was It's cold and you want to try and get people to come back for what most shuls have on the night of Shavuot, which is a learning program to study Torah to show um, that we are keen on this gift that God is redistributing, re-giving us um, uh, on Shavuot. We want to make sure that there is an understood mode of behavior that shows that we're keen to study it. And so therefore we uh, do a, uh, a learning program or many people have learning programs on Shavuot. And of course in the cold, and I guess with load shedding and so on, people may have been reluctant to walk back to shul to come back for that program. So if you have them there for the dinner, of course, hopefully people stay for the learning program, which is really the intention of having the dinner in the first place. But it's a wonderful thing um, if that people get together, that they celebrate um, together on this Chag. Of course, on any Chag, people getting together, celebrating, enjoying each other's company and enjoying good food and L'chaim and so on is a beautiful way to celebrate Yom Tov. So that is on the evening. Of course, we wait, as we said, for the end of Svirata Omer before we start uh, davening, before we start our prayer service uh, tomorrow evening. And then there's many dinners and the idea of learning. One of the other reasons why there is learning through the night is because there is something called Tikkun Leil. Now, the word Tikkun means to fix up. Tikkun Leil means to fix up the night. Why does the night need fixing? Well, this was a night that needed some fixing because we're told that when we received the Torah at Mount Sinai, unfortunately in the morning when God kind of arrived for this uh, huge earth-shattering magnum opus performance of the receiving of the Torah, of the giving of the Torah, uh, God was up not bright and early, but the Jewish people slept in. <laughs> they slept late. Could you imagine? The most momentous thing, the thing that they had been waiting for for seven weeks, that they'd been preparing for. They were all geared up. We've seen there, even Moshe Rabbeinu began writing the first 68 chapters of the Torah. Everything was there. We were standing around Mount Sinai. We had had the Shloshes Yimayagbala. We'd gone through the three days of preparation. We'd done all of that. And now that we slept, how does that work? What happened? Why didn't we wake up? And it seems strange. Did the entire Jewish people sleep? Is that what we did? Is that how happy we were to receive the Torah? Seems a little bit odd that there weren't some night owls or some early risers or somebody who was um, <clears throat> on his way to shul early in the morning or getting up nice and uh, briskly to take a morning walk or a morning run or whatever people used to do in those days. It seems strange that everybody slept in. Surely somebody got up and he could have aroused the others. No, we're told that the reason why um, we actually slept was the people thought that by sleeping, by sleeping in, we would actually receive the Torah on a higher level. You know, when we go to sleep, we believe that our souls are elevated to a higher level. They go kind of upstairs. That's why sometimes you wake up in the morning and you feel like you've got the solution to all the problems that you had the day before. It's not just about sleeping on it that you can kind of relax and your mind takes a rest and then you can come back and look at it in a fresh way while that works as well. But there was certainly the idea that while our souls are up on high during or elevated a little bit out of the physical world during the time that we sleep, that perhaps this was the way that we would receive the Torah on, in inverted commas, a higher level. Well, 
God wanted us to understand that the very idea of the giving of the Torah was to bring it down into this world, to make it in a physical body, to make it in a physical realm. And that's why all of our mitzvot have got to do with something physical. There is uh, the eating and drinking when it comes to kashrut. There is uh, the uh, practicalities of Shabbat, physical stuff that we can't lift or we can't uh, light or we can't carry and so on all of those things have got to do with physical with material the giving of stock the giving of charity is not a thought process it's an action and so we have all the mitzvot have to do with something down to earth and something physical and the idea of course was to bring it down into this realm not to think that we're going to have it and take care of everything and have it just on a realm whereby we can dream it we can think it we can sleep on it but rather to have it that we are awake with it, that we bring it into action, that we do something about it. This is what we have to do with the Torah. And so therefore, there's the idea of tikkun leil. Tikkun leil means fixing up the night. Now, fixing up the night means fixing up the mistakes that we made before. And perhaps also, yes, the Torah is light. We want to fix up the night by bringing a light into the darkness. Oh, what a practical solution to load shedding. Well, unfortunately, there's been spiritual load shedding. For a long, long time. Unfortunately, we're in a world <coughs> where they've just about load-shedded everything <coughs> that is of value and that is meaningful and that's mor- moral and ethical and correct. And therefore, it's an idea and a time of fixing the night, of fixing up the darkness, of making sure that all of the negativity in the world is pushed away. How do we do that? In the best possible fashion, which is bringing more Torah learning into the world, learning, studying, bringing the words of God down into this world through our discussions and then through our practice and through our involvement with them. And in this way, we certainly do not only invest in light, but we bring the wonderful, wonderful light of Torah and of godliness into this world piece by piece and bit by bit. So tikkun lel, fixing the night. Yes, you could argue, and I would agree with you, that in this part of the world, it's really challenging. Um, in the Northern Hemisphere, an entire learning program, an entire night um, at this time of the year is three or four, maybe five hours max. Once you've finished with the Yom Tov meal, um, it's uh, even a lot shorter than that. But in this part of the world, it can be quite a long experience. And the point, of course, is not to make ourselves exhausted, and it's not just to make ourselves really feel lousy for the rest of Yom Tov, and we certainly not in order to make us uh, feel that we can't get up uh, the next day to either go to Daven or to hear the Ten Commandments or to be in shul or to do the things that we're supposed to do for the rest of Shavuot or to be with our families and so on. So one has to actually think about tempering it a little bit with if you're, yes, if you're an insomniac and you can stay up all night, well, great, stay up all night and learn Torah, fantastic. Marvelous, but to stay up and be unable to actually daven, to stay up and be unable to actually be involved for the next twenty four hours with your family because you 've got to catch up on the uh, night's sleep that you that you lack, perhaps we are missing the point a little bit, so yes, there is a tikkun, there is something that should be said that could be said that needs to be done. There is the idea of learning Torah, but it should not be at the expense of all of the aforementioned. Um, It should rather be adding to and making sure that we're involved with all of those things for all of the right reasons. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. 
So we've been talking about the build-up to Shavuot and Shavuot itself. Shavuot, well, we know that the name Shavuot has got to do with the seven weeks that we counted. It's the festival of weeks. We've spoken about Zman Matan Toratenu, the idea of the giving of the Torah and why many stay up and learn what we call the Tikkun Leil. Perhaps we need to touch on a little bit why we eat milchic foods, why we eat milk foods and when. Now, there is perhaps a misconception about the eating of milchik of foods, and that is that some believe that the whole of Shavuot you have to eat milk foods. And this is incorrect, actually, because we've got to eat a proper Yom Tov meal. Proper Yom Tov meal, both evenings and both days of the Chag, of the festival, on Thursday night, on Friday, on Friday night and Shabbat, we add to it a milk meal, best time on Friday after we have heard the reading of the Torah. So we go to shul, we listen to the reading of the Torah, we relive Mount Sinai, and then we eat milk foods. Now why? And it would make sense because of the reasons why it's done then. The main reason being that at Mount Sinai we actually heard the whole Torah while it was given in uh, a way whereby it was embedded in the Ten Commandments that we heard, first of all, from God and then from Moshe and so on, we've got to remember (coughs) that the whole Torah was contained therein, and the people knew that uh, suddenly there were all sorts of rules that they didn't know before about slaughtering animals, about preparation of meat, about salting and soaking, about uh, cooking separately, etc. And they had no option but to eat the milk foods that they had um, uh, then with them. And so it became a thing of eating milk foods. But it's also the idea of we were fledglings, we were babies, we were children uh, right after Mount Sinai. And the idea of nursing on milk, on uh, Mother's milk or on uh, milk per se, like a baby does, uh, this is how we felt at that time. Um, There are several other reasons, of course, that have to do with um, um, various gematrias and beautiful, beautiful images of uh, why it is that we eat milk foods. But let's suffice perhaps with those. And the idea of eating milk foods, therefore, is once we have received the Torah on Friday morning, that that is when we have milchiks. And in fact, it goes a long way to actually uh, be taken in this context as well. One of the ideas behind eating the milchik foods is that we wait a short while and thereafter we eat a meat meal to show that we got it. We understood the rules of kashrut that were given to us in the Torah and that look how diligent we are going to be. We're eating. We know we can eat milchiks and then follow a short while later once they've digested uh, we make, we, we then can eat a uh, fleshika meal, a meaty meal um, a proper Yom Tov meal. And so therefore, this is in fact the way that we need to understand and need to do this important facet of uh, Shavuot. It's not only about the cheese blintzes, it's not only about the cheesecakes, but it is actually about demonstrating something of our history as well as something of our behavior and our adherence to our Torah laws as they are written in this beautiful Torah that we are going to re-receive over the coming days. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we're headed into a great and beautiful period of time, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to re-express our commitment to Torah, to mitzvot, our re-admittance, as, as it were, into the world of 
Um, Simcha of joy, of happiness, uh, weddings can now take place again, and uh, all of the stuff that um, was stopped during the Sphira period, music, etc. It's like we are coming out of our shell a little bit and coming out into a beautiful, beautiful uh, Yom Tov, a wonderful Chag that is up ahead. We've got to remember that on the second day of the Chag, on Shabbat, we will be doing Yiskor. Yiskor is recited, of course, as it is on <coughs> the last days of all our Chagim, um, uh, Yom Kippur being the last day of the period of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, uh, the last day of Sukkot on Shemini Atzeret, on uh, the last day or the day following Sukkot, that actually is, uh, the last day of Pesach, and then, of course, on the second day, which is the last day of Shavuot, we do do Yiskor as well, so people need to be in shul for that too and make sure that you participate in that. No, it cannot be done at home. Uh, that was an allowance only for uh, people to think about their loved ones and do whatever they could during the time of COVID. No, no, you have to be in shul and you need to be participating as with all our other communal prayers um, in your shul. And of course, the most important feature of the Chag, which I've left to last, Dafka, and that is on Friday morning, everybody, men, women, and children, need to be in shul in order to hear the reading of the Ten Commandments. We need to relive that experience. It is something that's essential for each and every one of us, for men, women, and children, to make that special, special effort on Friday morning at the, your local shul, at the shul near you. Every shul is going to be reading the same thing, taken out of Parshat Yitro in that book of Exodus, talking about the Jewish people standing around the mountain and receiving the Torah once again. We need to be there. We need to hear it. We need to make sure that our children hear it. We need to make sure that our wives hear it. We need to make sure that our husbands hear it, that our parents hear it, and that our grandchildren do so too. And let's make sure that everybody is present and hopefully will not only receive the Torah once again in a joyful way and in a way whereby we can integrate it and it's in an internalized way and in a way that will lead to our doing something about it in taking the spiritual action and the physical actions that we're supposed to do as recipients of the Torah to justify our reception, our receiving of the Torah once again. And hopefully by doing so this time, the difference will be that we'll not only enjoy Hashem's rich, rich brachas that he has, his blessings that he has in mind for each and every, and in store for each and every one of us, but hopefully the ultimate blessing of the coming of Mashiach, may he come speedily in our time. I want to wish you a great couple of days up ahead. Beautiful Chag, beautiful festival of Shabbat, uh, come uh, Shabbat, but Yom Tov coming in before that, the beautiful time of Shavuot that is coming up ahead. Please, God, it should be exactly what it's meant to be for you and for your families. Enjoy it. A good Yom Tov. And I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week for another exciting episode of Judaism 101.9.